Hello, friends, and welcome to my Heart to Heart podcast. I am your host, Kathy Jo Hart. I am a Christian author and speaker. Our focus is to discuss the hot topics of the day and how it relates to the Bible and the lessons through the love of Christ. Our last episode was learning about the 2022 word of the year, gaslighting. It is a form of abusive manipulation using psychological methods that makes people think they are losing their sanity or perceptions of reality. It sows doubt and confusion, forcing the person to question their own judgment and intuition. Today's topic is the second segment in our estrangement series. We will be looking at one of the most annoying and misused terms found on Instagram Reels, YouTube videos, and TikTok. That word is narcissism. What is it? A simplified meaning of this term is to describe someone who has an overinflated view of self-importance. Is it a disorder or a learned behavior? Well, if you watched a video on this subject, you would have the impression that every parent or ex-spouse has this disorder. But surprise, narcissism is a personality style. It is a learned behavior and is not a disorder. A true narcissistic personality disorder affects less than 4% of the population. I was watching a video by Dr. Romani, who is an expert on narcissism, and she described that if narcissism were a book title, it would be called How to Be a Man in Today's World and Succeed. Ooh, think about that. How to Be a Man in Today's World and Succeed. I found that statement to be very profound. As a woman entrepreneur, I had to fight against the bullies and the battles by being a strong-minded businesswoman. Male domination and sexism in the business world in the 1980s and 1990s was very degrading towards women. We were called difficult or a bitch. We had to demonstrate toughness and strength to gain the respect of others in the business world. As working moms, we were the trailblazers for our young women today. Let's look at who currently have some form of narcissistic behaviors today. They are politicians, movie stars, journalists, influencers, musicians, business owners, athletes, and career-minded men and women, to name a few. What do they have in common? Well, they possess a level of being self-absorbed, arrogant, chronically in need of validation, need to be admired, pretentious, superficial, and a need to look good to the world. Their personal and professional brands depend on it. Being narcissistic also means you would have to have some level of being an antagonist. The antagonist has to be able to compete for a level of power, dominance, and control. Men have been conditioned to this behavior as women in the 1980s and 90s were beginning to learn how to compete with the ins and outs of the business world. Women learned to become more callous and in some sense fight their way into the boardroom. Consider this. The opposite of being an antagonist is to be agreeable. Who do you think would earn more money or climb the corporate ladder? 
an antagonist, or someone who was agreeable? Well, the correct answer is the antagonist. But the narcissistic behaviors that have captured our culture today is not the aggressive, competitive nature of business, but it is the toxic, narcissistic patterns of incivility and unkind behaviors that have been rewarded over the past 20 years. The best examples I can give are the Kardashians, reality TV, and the explosion of social media. We are seeing tantrum behaviors, expectations for a privileged-led lifestyle, entitlements, and intersubjectivity of everyone exists to serve the me generation. Getting caught in this entitled culture are the generational parents. But here's the thing. Narcissism has been part of human nature since the beginning of time. It was a part of survival skills. Someone had to take charge in order to lead those who needed to be led. This was the hierarchy of human nature. There was a lot of oppression as a result, but it is only recently that Western society has been able to raise people out of poverty. Prior to the Great Depression, there were no financial safety nets. Prior to the 1960s, there were no social welfare programs. Poverty and wars produced many hardships, and it became the survival of the fittest. One needed to be a fighter in order to survive. Modern conveniences and technologies have alleviated the burden of survival, but many of the behaviors of survival have passed down from one generation to the next. The current me generation has never had it so good. So why are people at a heightened state of anxiety and depression? What happened to our culture. It seems like the better the living conditions, the greater the estrangements of families. So what happened? It goes back to the 1960s when the Supreme Court awarded the state, schools, and the public square with freedom from religion. Prior to this, public schools had mandated prayers. Those who opposed prayer had the ability, though, to abstain from this practice and the required read of the Holy Bible. In 1962 and 1963, the elimination of church expanded the power of the state, which is the government. We are now witnessing the devastating consequences of these actions. The elimination of God has created unbalanced power. We now have culture wars in a godless society whose primary focus is supporting subjective standards for morals and values. These are constantly changing due to the whim of whomever is in power. Their weapon of choice is the use of fear to manipulate those they govern. This style of governance is not new. As John Adams once said, fear is the foundation of most governments. Why? Because there is great power in the exploitation of fear. Our government does this, our schools do this, and now our culture is consumed by it. Just look at the damage zero tolerance has done to our children. 
What was once considered an exception became the rule in the 1990s after the Columbine shooting. Schools had to quickly adapt to the potential fear of another shooting. Caught in the middle were unsuspecting students who lost many of their freedoms. The lasting effects of zero tolerance in the schools eliminated free thought, creativity, problem-solving, forgiveness, and redemption. It was, and still is, a one-way street against the emotional psychology of the student. We have taught our young adults that mistakes are simply not permitted. Mistakes could have lasting negative impacts as there is no motivation to learn from these mistakes. This has now become a driving force of societal control of speech and thought. The cancel culture is the true manipulation that somehow promises safety from the threat of a potential offense. Add on top of this, a YouTube self-cycle analytical diagnosis overwhelming the me generation, which has in turn produced the misuse of the word narcissism. The overly critical awareness went into hyper-overdrive, producing overwhelming insecurity and perpetual victimhood. The driving force of societal control is fear. This is the number one provoked emotion used by governments to manipulate those they govern by promising safety from harmful threats. Oppressive governments maintain their grip on a nation by continually invoking fear and instilling a sense of dependence on the government as the only means of protecting its people from the threat. Can you say climate change? Can you say vaccinated versus unvaccinated? This is called ignorance compliance, manipulating fear for their own benefit while paralyzing common sense. This is also the fuel for hate and division. With a zero-tolerance society, our culture is looking for any error or the possibility of error to force the individual into conformity, eliminating principled values and replacing it with rules that eliminate redemption. Instead of motivating people to do the right thing when no one is looking, our toxic culture replaces values with rules prohibiting people from doing the wrong thing, controlled by the threat of punishment, creating fear of making a mistake. The government believes in micromanaging rules for all societal problems, believing that it can legislate ethical behavior. In turn, adult children who grew up in this confined, intolerant space are using the same guidelines judging family members based on current worldviews and politics. For the first time in our recent history, estrangements are on the rise to the point of adult children are cutting off their relationships from their elder parents. They have justified their abuse of intolerance by blaming their parents for their struggles in life. This is unprecedented in our history. It simply has not existed before. When I watch the YouTube videos, Reels, and TikTok, I am amazed at how many different interpretations there are in the word narcissism. But the Bible has warned us about this happening at the end times. 2 Timothy 
chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Is this verse describing narcissism? Yep, pretty much. It definitely describes our current culture. The description used by Dr. Romani to describe narcissistic behaviors are, number one, very reactive to feedback or criticism. Narcissists do not believe they are capable of making mistakes. Number two, opposition. They don't like to be told what to do. Well, to be honest, that's probably most of us right now. But the ones we can truly identify this with the most are the Karens of the world. Number three, empathy is on a superficial level. Number four, egocentric, hijacking conversations to make it all about themselves. Number five, gossiping, talking badly about another person, putting others down in order to lift yourself up. Labeling others is a great example of gossiping. Number six, gaslighting. Number seven, entitlement. And many times those who are accusing someone of narcissistic and gaslighting behaviors are guilty of these same behaviors. But how do we avoid this as a parent? It begins with a foundation built on the rock of God. It is our foundational values and principles that can overcome the evils of this world. Correction done in the spirit of love is essential. The overindulged child becomes entitled. Avoid being overprotective, turning your children into spoiled brats. Children need to learn how to be bored, how to make mistakes, and how to learn from them. Children also need to learn how to soothe themselves and how to be disappointed. As parents, we need to teach our children how to resolve conflicts within the home. Parents need to foster compassion in order to teach empathy. Although the Ten Commandments demands children must honor their father and mother, Colossians chapter 3 verses 20 to 21 goes further in explaining how parents are to raise their children. It says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Let me say that one more time. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Parents are to be the role models, to live together in the body of Christ and to reflect the character of Christ. The role of the parent is to show their children how to love, honor, and serve God. In our godless society, parents are no longer teaching their children as God commanded. Without Christ, what is the standard for the family? This is a tough question to answer. 
just think about that question again. Without Christ, what is the standard for the family? Will you have the ability to teach children love and honor? If you are estranged from family in any way, I promise you will not be able to teach your children about love or honor, especially if you hold bitterness or resentments in your heart. How will you define it then? Love and honor only to those who deserve it? Without healing through Christ and without learning how to submit your will to Christ, how you mentor your children will be extremely limited. Hurtful behaviors have this strange way of repeating itself in time. No matter how hard you try to forge ahead emotionally, an unforgiving heart is not able to unlearn bitterness or resentment. Only a forgiving heart has the ability to release the bitterness and the pain. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. That is in Ephesians chapter 4, 31 to 32. God is light in him. There is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That is found in 1 John chapters 1, verse 5-9. through 9. This means if we hold on to any unforgiveness in our own hearts, we are only deceiving ourselves. When we ask God to forgive our sins, why would you be allowed to harbor bitterness or resentment towards those who sinned against you? Doesn't that make you a hypocrite? If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just, and in turn, God will forgive us our sins and to purify our hearts from all unrighteousness. God is demanding we forgive others if we expect to be forgiven. This is the only way our hearts will be able to teach our children to love and honor all others and not just a select few. Well, unfortunately, we are now out of time. Feel free to leave your comments below and I will try to include them in future podcasts. Make sure you click the follow button as our next segment will continue our discussions on estrangements by focusing on family relationships, dynamics of divorce, mismatched expectations, and children of divorce, and the impact these have on family estrangements. I hope you have enjoyed our time together. Thank you so much for listening. I pray you will have a blessed week and may God grant his favor upon you. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen.